So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for joining me this morning. And it's the 18th of March. It's the fifth Sunday in Lent. And help me to present the programme this morning, my good friend Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. How are you? Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Good. Thank you very much, Dave, for joining me this morning. And this, the, as I said, the 18th of March, the day after St. Patrick's Day. Uh, thank you, dear listeners, for joining me. Just a bit of an apology for last week, not that we could do much about it. Um, the, uh, there was a technical problem at headquarters in Sacred Space uh, in West Limit 102 Radio. And uh, unfortunately, the, the programme uh, for this, for last week, um, didn't go out until the repeat programme in the evening. Um, unfortunately, the, the programme that did, that did go out was a repeat of the previous week. Now, for those people who like the stations of the cross, maybe that was a blessing. Maybe the Holy Spirit arranged that. But just to explain to people again, um, if you do want to listen to any podcast that we make on, here on the programme, you can go onto our blog, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. But speaking about um, welcoming people to the programme, thank you again for those people who join us each week, those special people who are sick and housebound, those people who are lonely and searching for some hope. We hope and pray that this hour will help you to listen to what the Holy Spirit wants us all to hear. We have a come and see candle here that's lit here inside the studio, and again that's to remind us that we've invited the Holy Spirit to stay with us for the duration of this programme. Wherever you are, whether you're listening in, at home in Rathkeel or you're listening on the internet in Japan, wherever you are, you're very welcome and thank you indeed for joining us. And if you've got any comments, wherever you are, you can email us on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. And for those locally, you can connect the local radio station on 0696200. And again, thanks so much for your prayers and for your good wishes as we meet you as we travel around West Lumi. This part of the programme, as usual, Shane is going to share some celestial guides with us. That's Saints to accompany us for the week. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, John. So an interesting few on this week's calendar, of course, folks. Um, today or tomorrow is the 19th of March. It's hard to believe it's almost halfway through the month already. And, of course, the 19th of March is the Feast of St. Joseph, husband of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So it's an, inter- it's an old feast and uh, very much one that is associated with a very popular saint. Joseph, of course, the quiet man of the Gospels, who doesn't actually really say a word. And um, it's also, of course, it is, uh, sorry, liturgically, it's a solemnity in the church's calendar. But it also happens, of course, to be the anniversary of the inauguration of Pope Francis's ministry as Pope. Um, he, because he's the mass, the massive inauguration of his pontificate was celebrated on the Feast of St. Joseph in 2013. So moving on, then on the 20th of... St. Clement of Ireland. This is a new one to me, John. I had never heard of this guy before. So he's actually known as Clement Scotus, and he is he's, he's, he was born in 750, and he died in 818. And he is very much associated, actually, with France, because himself and a colleague of his called uh, Alva arrived in France in 772, and they set up as teachers. They started out as teachers until Charlemagne sent for them to come to his court, where they stayed for several months. And then uh, Clement stayed in France as a regent of the Paris School from 775 until his death. And legend says that he founded the the University of Paris 
And the University of Paris, of course, was a well-renowned source of education, particularly in the Middle Ages. And it was actually from the University of Paris that we got the foundations both from Oxford and Cambridge. Um, okay, whether he found the, the University of Paris, perhaps in a metaphorical sense, uh, mm. but he, he did start a great tradition of learning in the city of Paris. So that's St. Clement of Ireland, who we celebrate on the 20th of March. Now, on the 21st of March, we have the feast day of St. Enda. Now, St. Enda is on the Irish calendar, and of course, as usual, I've gone and lost my page, John. And he's considered to be one of the three great lake vocations of Ireland. Um, he made a small foundation in County Loud, studied in Scotland under St. Ninian, uh, and he's also associated with the Boyne Valley. And he eventually went to Arran, and he died probably in 520 AD. And he's considered one of the early models of ascetic monasticism in Ireland and very much associated, of course, with the Aran Islands. Then on the 22nd of March, we have a feast day for, yes, he is canonized, St. Nicholas Owen. Now, this is an interesting one, John. He's an English saint. Um, he's one of the 40 martyrs of England and Wales. Mm -hmm. And he was a son of a carpenter, very much, uh, and he was a carpenter and a mason himself. Two of his brothers became priests, and another was a printer of underground Catholic books, and Nicholas used his building skills to save the lives of priests and helped the church's covert work in England during the penal times. And 16th century, he was born in 16th century Oxford. He eventually himself became, um, uh, he was employed by the Jesuits in terms of to help them construct hiding places and escape routes in various houses used as priest centres throughout England. And he, and he eventually actually joined the, the, the Jesuits. Um, however, at the time, of course, there was the periodic arrests of the Jesuits, and he was arrested with three other Jesuits and forced... Uh, da, 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 da. He was eventually arrested in 1606, and he was tortured before being... Excuse me. He was tortured before being hung, drawn, and quartered, uh, in, and died in uh, 1606 in London, in England. So then on the 23rd of November, March, we have the feast day of St. Tuberus of Mongroveggio, I think that's how it's pronounced. Mm -hmm. This is a saint of South America. He was appointed the Archbishop of Lima, of course, which is in Peru, by King Philip II of Spain. And he's very much known for combating all sorts of abuses of the conquerors in Peru and helping to build up the church there. So that's our feast on the 23rd of March. And then finally, we have another feast on the Irish calendar on Saturday, which is the 24th of March, and it is the feast day of St. McCartan. Now, St. McCartan is very much associated with the early generation of saints in Ireland and is recognised as the first Bishop of Clotter. And he was known as Patrick Strongman for his dedication and faithfulness. And that is pretty much all we know about St. McCartan. Now, John, I just want to make an observation for next Sunday. So, next Sunday, hard as it is to believe, is actually Palm Sunday and the beginning of Holy Week. So, we're facing into, like, the last two weeks of Lent, if you wish. But just from a liturgical point of view, as people will note on their calendars, the 25th of March, of course, is normally the Feast of the Annunciation of the Blessed Virgin uh, the Annunciation of the Lord to the Blessed Virgin Mary. But obviously, because it clashes with uh, Palm Sunday, it is moved, and it is moved to the 9th of April. So just in case people are wondering, so the Feast of Annunciation this year is going to be celebrated on the 9th of April. So that's all I have, John, in terms of Celestial Guides for this week. 
Well done, Shane. Thank you so much for that. I think my wife would like me to listen a bit more now or take a bit more notice now of St. Jo- Joseph, the fellow who says very little. <laughs> but anyway, continuing on, just a few notices just to bring to people's attention. Why not get a mention uh, here from the Emmanuel community? Just speaking about the Emmanuel community, Geraldine Crete is going to join us again next week with some of her colleagues to help us reflect on Holy Week. But uh, the Emmanuel community have a day of reflection and mission taking place next Saturday, um, the 24th. So join the Emmanuel community for prayer, reflection and training in mission and option of street evangelization. Here's an opportunity to grow in faith and experience the joy of sharing it. The day begins at 12.15pm in the Millennium Centre beside uh, Rahim Church in County Nomi, uh, and the day ends at 4.15pm. Parish Mass is at the 11.30 at St. Oliver Plunkett's Church, Mongret, if people want to join us beforehand. But the day begins at 12.15pm in the Millennium Centre besides Rahin Church in Rahin, and the day ends at at 4.15. And there's a wonderful day to join the Emmanuel community for prayer, reflection and training in mission for those people who are interested in spreading the good news. It is an opportunity to grow in faith and experience the joy of sharing it. Any further information, and by the way, there is a light lunch provided. Contact information from John at 087-276-6832 or email 087-278-5006 or Ger on 087-247-6685. And Shane might put up that information on the blog and um, just in case people want to get those numbers again. A reminder again about a desert day in preparation for Holy Week. A desert place will a desert day will take place in Westbourne, Ashbourne Avenue, on Saturday again, twenty-fourth, from ten thirty a.m. to five p.m. The day will give an opportunity to enter more deeply into Holy Week in the peaceful surroundings of Westbourne Convent. There'll be time for quiet prayer, reflection, and the sacrament of reconciliation will conclude with Eucharist. Booking is essential. Further contact Sister Phyllis Moynihan. Sister Phyllis is on 087-963-6893. That's 087-963-6893. And finally, Shane, just to remind people again, um, these readings that are taking place in Glenstall Abbey, this week, uh, the 21st, sorry, this week today, on the 18th, um, at 4.30pm, uh, Father Columba McCann is going to be reflecting at 4.30pm in the Glenstall Abbey uh, Library. And the topic is Discovering the Way to Mysterious Nourishment, Dis- Discovering Nourishment. Discovering the Way to Mysterious n- Nourishment and Discovering Nourishment. It's taken from Isaiah, chapter 55. So Father Columba will be reflecting there at 4.30pm. And next week, which is the last one, uh, Martin Brown, Father Martin Brown uh, will be reflecting from death to life, water old and water new. And that's again, 4.30pm, Glenstall Abbey Library, followed by refreshments. And I think, Shane, I think we've covered nearly most of the announcements that we have to make this week. Just to remind yep. people, in part two of the programme today... We have Dean Niall Sloan from um, the Cathedral, St Mary's Cathedral in Limerick. And Shane is going to be chatting to him about the 850-year celebrations um, taking place there in the Cathedral in St Mary's in Limerick. So we're going with our first bit of music this morning. But before that, there's a spirit of communion prayer that I must pray for um, those people who can't receive Jesus as Mass this morning. 
My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So now we'll go for our first bit of music, I said this morning. And this one is entitled, I Want to Follow Jesus in the Christian Music World. So let's hear this. So welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations. My name is Jan Keeley. And in this part of the program this morning, we're delighted to welcome onto the program for the first time um, Dean Niall Sloan, who is the Dean of St. Mary's Church of Ireland Cathedral in Limerick City. Good morning to you and welcome to our program this morning. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks a lot for joining us this morning. Now, now you, um, I know you're going to chat to us about the 850-year celebrations and so on and so forth, but maybe people might be a little bit interested and see where you come from in your background and in, in terms of church circles and so on and so forth. Would you share that with us, please? 
Absolutely. So I'm originally from County Cavan, from a village called Lachgana, where mm -hmm. the River Erne rises. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in a shop and post office, which my parents still run in the village. I attended school in Longford before going to university in Dublin Trinity College. I was, after training in Theological College, I was ordained uh, by the Bishop of Connor at the time, Alan Harper, for the curacy of Aherton Port Stewart, which is on, right on the very north coast uh, of Northern Ireland. Uh, following the curacy there, I did a second curacy in Taney Parish in Dundrum, uh, Dublin, uh, which is the largest Church of Ireland parish in the Republic of Ireland. I spent four years there before being appointed rector of Holy Trinity Parish in Kalini, uh, which is not too far away from Taney, uh, near Dunleary. I was there for five and a half years and then was appointed uh, uh, Dean of St Mary's Cathedral and Rector of Limerick City Parish in August uh, of last year and then uh, was installed in October of the same year. And so you've been in ministry for about 23 years at this stage? No, not quite. Well, <laughs> oh, no, sorry, 2005, excuse me. Times, maybe. <laughs> sorry, excuse me, excuse me, sorry, gentlemen. Okay, um, okay. Um, and uh, in ministry for about 13 years. 13 years, years excuse me, I got my addition correct, incorrect. Yeah. Now, can I just... Um, just ask you one thing. In the Catholic uh, tradition, well, usually we have priests being transferred within a diocese. You've just mentioned to me that you started off in Northern Ireland, you ended up over in Dublin, and you come over to Limerick. How does that all work? You don't work within um, a diocese? or No, you, you are sponsored by a diocese. So I'm originally from Kilmore Diocese, hmm. um, but you, uh, in being sponsored from a diocese, you are sponsored for the church, so the whole Church of Ireland, uh, to serve in so that uh, there's necessarily no diocesan boundaries when it comes to serving in the church, that you serve the whole church rather than a, a particular diocese. Okay, oh, so that's, you, a, that's an that's an interesting one, John. We should mention that to Bishop Brendan and see what he says. And see, what, <laughs> and see what he comes up with. Now, just before sharing, you know, just going through to the celebrations and so on and so forth that you're celebrating this particular year, it, it is, of course, Saint Mary. It is a living faith community. So, therefore, you would have services there. Wouldn't that be correct? We have services every day of the year, uh, um, apart from uh, St Stephen's Day and uh, the uh, New Year's Day, which we close for a little rest, uh, but we're depending on a huge team of uh, volunteers and those who help out, so we, we give them a little well-deserved rest, but we are open for worship every single day of the year, and there's a service um, service of prayer every day as well in the cathedral. And just what's, uh, what, what sort of um, format would the service um, maybe be used to of a Sunday, we'll say, for instance, now? So on a Sunday, we have, uh, during term time, a choral service. We have very strong choral tradition in St. Mary's. So every uh, Sunday at 11.15, uh, the choir, um, I said, during term time, lead us in either choral matins, which is for morning prayer, a said service, or choral Eucharist, uh, Holy Communion. Um, they happen uh, twice a month on the turn of Sundays. And then during the week, it's morning prayer every morning, apart from Thursday, which is a celebration of the Holy Communion as well. Okay, and the sort of attendance at the services there? It's mixed and uh, uh, varied. It, it, the person leading the service, they may be on their own, um, but important that 
they're surrounded by the angels and archangels and they are praying mm. and reminding the city and, and the community that even if there's only one there, that the, the whole city, the cathedral community are being prayed for at that particular point. Um, I, at other days, it could be in the, in the hundreds. It really depends on the Sunday in question and what's happening, if there's yes. a baptism mm. or a major festival or if it's a diocesan event as as the Mother Church of the Diocese of Mary's often holds diocesan services for the Diocese of Limerick and Killaloo. And would you also have services particular for the young now, or, or, or would you have members of your congregation um, maybe in the teenage years, maybe involved with youth work and so on and so forth? Or? Uh, we have, yeah, d- depending on the case. We have very strong links with Villiers School, secondary school in Limerick City. Okay. Um, so there they t- host, uh, we host uh, them for services uh, at various times throughout the year. Uh, children and, and of all ages and, 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 in fact, anybody of any age is very welcome at any or all of our services. Um, there's not necessarily a particular focus on any uh, age group in particular um, in the majority of our services, but it's very much seen that our, all our services are all age acts of worship. Pretty good. And just before I just hand over that to Shane, um, the diocese is a pretty large diocese. I just looked at it in the map to just give people some idea. Yes, yeah, so Limerick, Diocese of Limerick and Killaloo is the largest Church of Ireland diocese in Killaloo. If you want, uh, it, its full title is actually the Diocese of Limerick, Killaloo, Ardfert. Achado, Kilfenora, Kilmacduer, Clonfert and Emily. So not something necessarily trips off the tongue. It stretches from Banasloe to Valencia and from um, the Cliffs of Moher right into Ross Grey and, and a little bit further. So it's basically counties Limerick, Kerry, Clare, South Galway, uh, most of counties Tipperary, a little bit of Offaly and a little bit of County Kerry, I think, as well. I tell you, the bishop must have um, must have a tiring journey uh, trying to visit all those parishes and all, and all those various parts of the diocese. Yeah, it's a good. Yeah, I think you have to like driving is probably one of the requirements of the bishop. <laughs> <for> the <diocese. laughs> Maybe that or even the helicopter, one of the two. Thank- <laughs> it has been suggested. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, Niall. Shane, you'd, you'd like to touch base there with Niall in regard to the celebrations that are, that are happening this year. Exactly. So one of the reasons we were inviting Dean Nile on this morning to the programme is the fact that St. Mary's Cathedral this year celebrates its 850th uh, anniversary, I suppose, or of foundation or of consecration as, as, as the bishop, as, sorry, as the Cathedral of Limerick City. And of course, one of the ancient characteristics of a city uh, was the fact that it either had a university or a cathedral. So, of course, that is one of the things that contributes to Limerick's uh, title as a city, as well, of course, as its charter, plus the castle, of course, uh, King John's Castle. But, Dean, Niall, just before we get into the whole thing about the 850th anniversary, I have a simpler question for you. What's a dean? Yeah. A dean is, in effect, uh, the uh, is a dean of a diocese as well as mm. the cathedral. So, um, uh, the as the person the cathedral or the bishop's seat so uh, each cathedral has a seat for the bishop but the dean runs it on his behalf along with the the chapter the members of the clerical body uh, but also the dean is the dean of the diocese so I'm uh, dean of the diocese of Limerick and in traditional terms I suppose it's seen as the senior priest in the, within the diocese 
Ah, okay. So that, that explains that. But anyway, back to the 850th anniversary. So this year, you've got a big celebration. Tell us about it. Well, uh, St. Mary's Cathedral uh, was gifted to the church in 1168 by King Donald Moore O'Brien, who was the last king of Munster. Um, it was a royal palace, and uh, he gifted his church in 1168. And since then, it's been a continuous place of worship. It's one of the oldest uh, buildings in Limerick. It's the oldest, we think, continuous place of worship, one of the oldest continuous places of worship in Ireland. Um, it uh, has also held uh, a court in it. Um, it's obviously been uh, a venue for various events, but first and foremost, it's a place of, of Christian worship. And as part of our uh, celebrations this year, we're using the opportunity to celebrate various aspects of civic, cultural, political uh, life um, within the city of Limerick and beyond. Indeed. And uh, St. Mary's, uh, like St. John's in many respects, both cathedrals, if you like, dominate the skyline of the city. And I, I continue myself uh, being away and coming home and uh, either coming down the motorway or uh, flying in from Shannon. It's the, they're two of the landmarks. There's a couple of landmarks, but they're two of the landmarks that stand out uh, when you're overviewing viewing the city and of course St Mary's is um, it's probably a familiar sight to people but I, I suppose for many people um, I suppose the question would be have they ever actually been inside the door of it and I, I you know and I suppose it's one of the challenge, challenges for us as Limerick people do we know our own uh, uh, our own history and our own local sites our local historical sites and St Mary's is probably one of the ones which we would say to people maybe it's one you should actually explore because, as you said, it's one of the, the key buildings of the city. As you said, it's the oldest building, one of the oldest buildings in the city next with the castle. And it's something, I suppose, it's a common, um, would you say, a common heritage to all people from Limerick? Absolutely. Well, as I said, it was a palace. So it was where the kings of Munster uh, resided and the famous West Door, the the Romanesque doorway that overlooks the Shannon. Its tradition uh, dictates that it was, it's the only surviving part of that palace um, and we have a little quirky tradition in the cathedral that it's only opened on like, very special occasions because of its historical uh, significance. Um, but as part of our, our programme for this year, we're uh, literally and metaphorically opening the doors up to the city by welcoming people in. We're particularly conscious that many of the residents of Limerick City may not have even been in through the doors of the cathedral um, and it's, it's opening it up to, to those but also to a wider context and to as I said various uh, representative groups within the city. So what type of events, what kind of things are you planning to celebrate this great, this great anniversary? Well for, for various reasons we've had a very short time frame to organise uh, the 850th anniversary so we've had to draw up a plan very quickly and one of the things it was we focused on 12 themes for the 12 months of each year. So in January with the launch, we began with a focus on community because it's very much art. And February, we moved on to uh, sport. This month, we're, uh, March, we're looking at tourism and um, and so on throughout. And then weaved with each of those months, there's uh, a focus on a particular charity. So for tourism... Uh, we're looking at Limerick Tidy Towns and they have cleanups going on. So that's part of the, the tourism uh, scene within the city. Um, uh, in 
uh, February, for example, I mentioned sport. We're looking at, looking at the Irish Inj- Injured Jockeys Association. And then we also have talks on figures associated with those particular themes. Um, we also have one or two major events. I suppose the highlight are three musical events. Uh, in particular, the we're welcoming the choir of King's College, Cambridge, in July. I heard I I that was the one that had caught my eye because I had seen that being out as I was thinking to myself I got to be back for that one. What other two have you planned? We have uh, the uh, Symphonia Limerick Symphonia Cathedral Choir with on core concert that's on the twenty first of April, uh, and then in May on the nineteenth we have the Three Choirs Festival, which is the Cathedral Choirs of St Finbars and Corks and Canises in Kilkenny and St Mary's in Limerick, and this has been a tradition that uh, started in a few years ago and we're building on that and we're very uh, we're delighted that St Mary's have been able to host it uh, this particular year uh, considering our anniversary celebrations. Now if people wanted to find out more about upcoming events that will be on in the cathedral over the next couple of months where's the best place to find the information? Well you find us on Twitter and on Facebook and uh, if uh, you want to log on to the website stmaryscathedral.ie under the events there you'll find listings for all uh, the events coming up throughout the year and on uh, a number of the big concerts or musical events there's even access there to book tickets uh, and secure your place we're very conscious uh, looking at the King's College Cambridge that uh, that's going to be probably a sellout event and a very popular event mm-hmm. uh, so encourage the listeners to to log on and um, keep on top of what's happening. There's also a, a commemorative brochure has been produced with the program of events as well. So if you're around St Mary's or mm-hmm. uh, indeed other places in the city, I'm sure you'll be able to pick up a copy of that and uh, keep it uh, as a reference point at home. Now, just going going back to something you had said earlier, um, as the dean of St Mary's and the dean of the diocese, and you're you're new to Limerick as well. In terms of the challenges facing the, you know, the Christian community, but also the Church of Ireland community that's in Limerick, um, what would you say would be the things that would particularly you have you have learned about the community since you arrived, both the positives and the challenges that it faces? Um, well, I think uh, we all know that Limerick hasn't had the most positive uh, 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 presentation. Presentation, yeah, <laughs> outside of the Limerick, outside of Limerick City. Uh, and coming from having worked in Dublin, certainly I, I, I heard that. But actually what's really positive is that that's not my experience of coming to Limerick. I think it's a it's a really lively city. Uh, I was describing to someone recently that it's it's unique in that it's it's big enough. You can be anonymous in it, but it's small enough that everyone knows each other. I think there's wonderful opportunities when Limerick, the Opera Project, the uh, three uh, college university campuses, um, the hospital, engaging with... Um, things like the prison and the various businesses within the city. It's close to the uh, Wild Atlantic Way, which I know something uh, Board Fawlshire and ourselves and other um, tourism partners within the city are very excited about. Uh, right beside uh, Cliffs of Moher, Bunratty, Killaloo, not that far from Kerry. Uh, I, I think it's it's a really exciting place to be at a really exciting time in Limerick's history. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> and uh, I'm delighted to be able to engage with that on many different levels. And as a faith community, inter- um, how 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 is the how how what, how do you how do you see it in terms of you know it, its health, if you like, or its participation? Um, you know, in terms of uh, just just as a faith community gathering together in the cathedral, you know, as the cathedral of the diocese? 
Well, obviously, the Church of Ireland is a very small uh, community, um, not only within the Republic, but in, in, in Limerick itself as well. And we're, very, we, we're mindful of that. However, we have a, a long history, 850 years within the city. As I said, prayers are offered up daily, um, and uh, we included in our prayers are very uh, conscious of our, our ecumenical partners. But for example, Bishop Brendon has prayed for uh, uh, frequently at our services. He's definitely a, a great friend and supporter of St Mary's. Um, and through the our celebrations this year, it's about as a faith community, how we engage, how we reach out to the community, how we reach out to the city. Um, we're welcoming tourists uh, um, into the walls of the, uh, of the cathedral. Uh, and showing them that we are a living, breathing, worshipping community. We're engaging with those on the margins and uh, assisting those who are maybe questioning their faith, maybe those who want to explore a little deeper. Um, so we, we're experimenting, I suppose, maybe is one word for this year as well, mm-hmm. within all that, but being faithful as well to the wonderful heritage we've built up. As I said, we have a fantastic musical tradition on the director of our uh, our choir master Peter Barley, who's a well-known figure within uh, Limerick music circles. Um, so through that, through experimental liturgies uh, and uh, even choir prayer, and uh, people can come in and light a candle as they're walking through. Um, it, it's very much engaging with per- people's personal faith as well as the corporate worship. Very good. So thank you, Neil, for, Dean Neil, for coming on and telling us um, about uh, the celebration that's as you're in process for uh, this year, 850 years of St. Mary's as the Cathedral of Limerick, as one of the cathedrals of Limerick City. Now, D- uh, Neil, you, you had suggested to us um, a piece of music. John, what was it again? Christ is made for the sure foundation. Isn't that right now? That's right. Um, and those, those of you who uh, have been into St Mary's are struck by, and we, we hear frequently from visitors, that the walls, the render was stripped of them. So the various stones that are in the cathedral, from red brick to rubble to huge uh, ornate carved stones. And uh, this is a personal uh, favourite hymn of mine. But when I look at the stones in the cathedral, you realise that they... The, the stories that the, those stones could tell, the craftsmen who put them in, those who have worshipped in the space, all the, the things that building has witnessed. So I think the hymn sums up that uh, undergirding all that is, is the, the, the Christ at, as the cornerstone, as the, uh, as the foundation for all that we do and all that we are. Thanks for that, Niall. And, of course, the, the piece of music, Christ is Made, the Shows Foundation. This actually was a recording made in Westminster uh, Abbey when, actually, uh, Pope Benedict was there and on September the 17th, 2010.
So, welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shad Ambrose and Dale Niall Sloan from Samaritan Theatre in Rimi. This part of the programme, as usual, is where we read and reflect on the Sunday Gospel. Before that, Shane is going to pray this prayer before we start. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So the Gospel for today, for the fifth Sunday in Lent, is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 20 to 33. Among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. These approached Philip, who came from Bethsaida in Galilee, and put this request to him. Sir, we'd like, we'd like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip together went to tell Jesus. Jesus replied to them, Now the hour has come, for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you most solemnly, unless a wheat grain falls on the ground and dies, it remains only a single grain. But if it dies, it yields, it yields a rich harvest. Anyone who loves his life loses it. And anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If a man serves me, <clears throat> he must follow me wherever I am. My servant will be there too. If anyone serves me, my father will honour him. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But it was for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. A voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. People standing by who heard this said it was a clap of thunder, and others said it was an angel speaking to him. Jesus answered, It was not for my sake that this voice came, but for yours. Now a sentence has been passed on this world. Now the prince of this world is to be overthrown. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I shall draw all men to myself. By these words, he indicated the kind of death he would die. So that's the Gospel for today, uh, the fifth Sunday in Lent. So Shane, um, we're still staying with John's Gospel this week. Um, where would you like to start a reflection with this, please? Okay, thanks, John. As we said, <clears throat> as we said often enough on the program, rather, John's Gospel is a Gospel that requires a degree of reflection and very much engagement with. And once again, we have that in this week's in this week's gospel. But the one thing I liked about this week's gospel is actually the fact that it presents Jesus in a very human light for us in many respects. John's gospel is often accused of being a bit um, difficult. I suppose the technical term that's used is uh, a very high Christology. It focuses very much on the divinity of Christ. You know, it's from the very beginning where it starts off with that great, great, great prologue. In the beginning was the Word, the Word is with God. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it's an interesting one where we have this, this week, we have this moment of doubt, if you like, 
where Jesus is looking for support and consolation from his father to be able to fulfill his ministry. And it's, it echoes, if you like, the suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane that we hear about in the Synoptic Gospels. <clears throat> um, the Gospel itself, it starts out, the Pericope starts out with this call from the Greeks to see Jesus. And it reminds us again, Jesus has ignored outsiders. His, 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 his mission, his responsibility is to come to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he's focusing very much on that need, that response fulfilling the prophets, fulfilling the promise, fulfilling the covenant that has been made to them as the Messiah to the people of Israel, as well as, of course, as we will know eventually, to the whole world. But that will come after his glorification at Calvary and his resurrection. <clears throat> and it's interesting, again, it is actually Philip that's involved with bringing people to Jesus. Because if you think about a couple of weeks ago when we had the calling of the apostles and the calling of Andrew and, 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 and Peter. It was Andrew that led Peter to Jesus. So the role of opening out, of, of sharing uh, the communication with Jesus, is something which, which comes up again for Andrew in this week's Gospel. But then, of course, we come to the central part of the, of the, of the reading this week, which is now that, that where Jesus says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So the, the events that we're reading about in this week's Gospel in John's Gospel, they are set on Palm Sunday, the day he has entered into Jerusalem. And so that's the context That's the context we have to it. So Jesus knows what's coming. He, he knows what's ahead of him in some regard. And, and, you know, and he's, telling you, he's telling us and he's telling the disciples and he's giving them the parable that unless like a wheat grain you, you know, which falls to the ground and dies, nothing will come forth. There will be no sharing about it. And that's the challenge that's given to us in this week's Gospel and something for us which can be a bit uncomfortable maybe to think about. Uh, but it was the one thing, I don't know why, it was the one thing that struck with me this week when we were reflecting on the gospel, which is this idea, Christianity sometimes can be a challenge. Um, it can be difficult, and I suppose if it's, if, you, if it's not difficult, you know, maybe then, maybe we're not doing something right, and that's something we, maybe we need to think about a small bit. Because we have lived in a country where socially, culturally, it has been easy, if you like, to be a Christian in some respects. But now it's more of a challenge. <clears throat> we have to take more of an effort. We have to actually think about it. And very much, I suppose, that prayer of ours would be, you know, we believe, Lord, but help thou our unbelief. Because we have to make a choice. We have to make um, a personal effort to engage with our faith and to engage with our belief and to get to know the person of Jesus Christ. And it's that whole idea that, you know, we, we sometimes have to, to die to ourselves to to expand, to grow, to develop. The most common example I think we can think of there, you know, the wheat example is one, but parenting is obviously the most basic example. Parents that will give up and have, you know, they will add the joy of their children, but often the sacrifices that they will make for the children in their daily lives. And it's something that many of our listeners will be able to associate with. During the week, John, I came across a great quote, <clears throat> a reminder of a quote during the week from John Moriarty. And the quote was, um, he was talking about, he, he said the question that was put to him was, are you happy? And his response was, well, when people ask me, are you happy? I say that isn't quite the question. The real question is, am I still growing? Have I become a finished creation? Am I dead or am I still growing? Is my life still an adventure, an adventure full of trouble, full of joy, full of pain, full of cataclysm? Am I still living dangerously? So am I still growing is the real question. And I think it echoes very much something that comes across in this Sunday's Gospel and that idea of the wheat grain falling to the ground. <clears throat> but it's also echoing what Jesus says there. If a man serves me, he must follow me wherever I, I am. 
and also that you know anyone who lo- who loves his life loses it, but anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it for the eternal life. It's that idea of being open to change. And change can be difficult, it can be destructive, but it can also be growth. Because if you think about it, another example that people might often think about there is a bushfire, which rages through, destroys the environment, but often promotes new growth, new life. And sometimes that's the suffering that can happen to us in our lives, can be an opportunity for change. It's difficult to go through. There's no one denying that. There's no one saying you should just, you know, ignore the pain of it. But it presents with us an opportunity. And then I suppose the second part of that gospel is very much, I suppose, this second, this this theophany event, this acclamation, this recognition from his father in heaven. You know, in terms of uh, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. And it's once more, it's, it's giving that consolation to Jesus that he is on the right path. Difficult though it may be that it will end up in Calvary, but ultimately would leave, lead to that glorification at, uh, at, uh, and the resurrection. And it's just, you know, it's a reminder to us that, you know, as he said himself, I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And I suppose for us as Christians, that is the thing we have to remember. The message of Christ is about salvation for the world, that, that it is a free gift offered to each of us. And as we journey through Lent, the reminder to us is that we need to think about that. What does it mean for each of us in our daily lives? That gift that is given to us with its challenge, because that's, you know, it is a challenging gift, but it is a gift of love that is given to us by God and it is the time in Lent for us to turn again, that, as we say again and again on the program, <clears throat> that opportunity of metanoia to turn back once more to the Lord. That was a couple of thoughts that struck me on this Sunday's Gospel, John. Shane, thank you so much for that. Yeah. Dean Niall, would you like to share any thought yourself in that gospel this morning with us? Yeah, thank you. I was always amazed that when we read a gospel, each of us can take something different out of it. For me, it was the the word serve and, and service, that it's not a very popular word now to use in, in many circles. We, we like to be served rather than, than to serve. And yet Jesus here at the heart of this gospel is talking about service and that for me that being a christian is about service to 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 others and to god uh, and that it's at the core of of what what we should be doing and what what we are about as 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 worshiping a god who serves thank you so much for that dino and, and speaking about the holy spirit this, the holy spirit gave me a different thought again and <laughs> right, right at the start um what i got there was sir We'd like to see Jesus. And many of us, maybe this morning, would make the same statement. Why are we attracted to Jesus? Maybe one of the reasons is because we've, we've read so much about him in the Gospels and heard so much about him in the Gospel. His love for everybody, no matter where they come from. He listens to everyone he comes in contact with. He meets them where they are. And his message is simple. Love God and love the neighbour. Trust in God. We know that by our baptism, Jesus lives in all of us. And this is the point. Jesus lives in all of us. So to maybe our challenge today is to see Jesus in others as we meet them in our daily lives. So that's the gospel reflection from both Shane and uh, Dean Niall and myself for today. Thank you indeed for joining us this morning. Thank you indeed again, uh, Dean Niall, for sharing, for sharing so much with us on Limic. Um, Limit Cathedral, of course, and you're 850 years. We hope you have many joys and blessings throughout the year as you celebrate that. Thank uh, you very much. And thank you indeed, Shane, again. And now, Shane, because you know my, my Irish isn't brilliant, 
<laughs> There's a piece of music that I chose, but I can't pronounce it correctly. You'll help me out. Sure. No problem. So, of course, yesterday was St. Patrick's Day, and we are still in the celebration of all things Irish. So we felt, following on last Sunday's program, uh, we'd have another piece of traditional uh, music associated with St. Patrick's Feast, Feast, Feast Day, which, of course, is the great Irish hymn, Docus Lynn Nave Podrick. So until next week, I bless you all now. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sacred Space.